Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Purple Noon, a podcast. I'm Stephanie Conti, and I am here with the oh-so-pretty Savannah Lanause. Simple, but I like it. Hi, guys. I mean, we're we're talking about three different short films, and I don't think I ever heard a name once in any of these short films that we're going to be talking about today. So I was like, you know, she she just gets the title of pretty, you know, that's that's for today. (laughs) Um, But yeah, how are you doing, Savannah? good how are you very good very good tired i don't know about you um to our viewers who are listening we live in the central florida area where it has been non-stop raining for the past week every day looks like night and it's awful you know i enjoy it i only enjoy it in small increments because then you know my anemia just starts you know like hey stark out you got to go to bed. Uh, that's not okay. my anemia, but you know, that's just my weird sickly body going, hey, it's nap time all I, the I time. I feel that. I, I've had to double up on my vitamins too. Uh, fun fact, me and Stephanie have the same illness. Woo! For cousins. Um, no, but yeah, I, I enjoy it. myself. See me, people, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like the rain just because like since we're all at home, really, like I don't, I haven't really been out because of quarantine and everything. I kind of enjoy it. It makes me feel like snuggly, you know? That's fair. Yeah. Like I've been just watching TV in my room all day, every day. I think the biggest thing is that I miss playing grassketball. Um, And for those who don't know, the art of grassketball, you take a basketball hoop. It's not basketball. It's grassketball. You put it in your backyard because you're too lazy to move the cars out of your driveway. This creates a whole new game because you can't dribble. So you're just kind of awkwardly holding the ball in in your hands as you're moving side to side while trying to play. Um, because you're not on concrete, there's no there's no push. You can't push yourself off of anything. It's kind of like the best way I can explain it is like in Naruto when Rock Lee has like the weights on his legs for all of my nerds listening. Um, it's like when Rock Lee has the <laughs> weights on his legs and he takes them off and he's like better. So it's like the grass is the weights on my leg because I can't push off. Now, if I do fall, it's a lot softer. I was going to say. But I already can't jump. And if you think I'm jumping on grass, you're wrong. You are wrong. So like that is – I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm working. I'm working hard, but yeah, I've because of the rain and everything, grassketball is impossible. Um, so that's really, I, I'm really missing the art of grassketball. Grass and I employ, I am, I, I dare all of you guys to, if you have a basketball hoop, just think, maybe I should just put it in a place where you don't play basketball. You know, put that, put it in the grass. <laughs> See how that resistance is. You'll be a better player. Thank you for the tips. (laughs) Of course, of course. Um, And also a little bit of news. So not only are we going back to our two-week movies, uh, two movies a week schedule. Um, Sorry, we're college students and, you know, classes start next week. So we're just getting ahead of the schedule. Um, So it's going to be how it originally was, Friday and Sunday at noon. You'll have an episode. Um, And then also, we recently just did a collaboration with Criterion Cast. And Criterion Cast has many other different podcasts, but the podcast that we collaborated with was Criterion Reflections Podcast, where me and Savannah kind of sat down over the internet with uh, David Blakesley, and we talked about three feminist films. And it's, it's very good, very interesting, and it was a lot of fun to do. 
Um, so I will have the the link in the bio. Savannah, did you have a good time recording? Shout out to our boy David. David Blakesley, the man. Yeah. As you know, it's funny when I was trying to make um like a like a tag when I uploaded it, like on my personal account when I was saying like, oh, like I'm a part of this. I was literally going to write, hey, guess what? I can talk about this because I'm a woman. Like just said the thing and I looked at it, I'm like, that's 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 a little stupid. Let's delete that. Let's delete that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. David's awesome. Very cool. Thank you for believing in us. Um, definitely check that out. We actually hope to be on some of his future episodes as well. Absolutely. I am excited to go back. I mean, come on. Like, we love talking about films. So if we can add one more person into the mix occasionally or a few other people into the mix, that's just more films to talk about, you know? Yeah, that's party. just great. Just good time. Um, and with that being said, um, we will, on our own podcast, we will be having guests starting next month. It's all to be determined, but we have a list of people and names on a schedule, and hopefully we'll be bringing some pretty interesting and exciting guests onto our podcast. Absolutely. So today's, uh, typically today's episode, we would be normally going through alphabetical order or numerical order to alphabetical order of Criterions, both available on Criterion Channel and just in the collection overall. So I had said last week, I'm like, oh, we're going to be talking about Eighth Continent. I thought it was a film that was 217 minutes. I was wrong. It's an 11 minute 2017 film. So as I did more, I was like, I don't, I, I do want to see Eighth Continent. So instead of just simply being an Eighth Continent review, we're going to be talking about three in total, three Yorgos Zios, Zoas, Yorgos Zoas, I'm sorry, I'm not Greek. <laughs> Yorgos Zoas, three of his short films. Okay. Um, so we're going to be talking about Eighth Continent, Casas Belli, and Third Kind. Do you want to and- go in that order? Yeah, yeah, we got to do Eighth Continent because that was the one I had said first. So if you're here for Eighth Continent, here we go. So Eighth Continent is a short film that came out in 2017. And the plot is in Lesvos Island, an abandoned dump lies on a mountain with two big craters. The craters are flown by thousands of life jackets from the refugee waves. So it's a 11-minute short film, like I said. And keep in mind, I have you ever heard of Yorgos Zoas before? No, uh, no. The only Yorgos I know is Yorgos Lothanimos. Yeah, he's so a, he's no. he's the only Yorgos. But now I got two Yorgoses in my life, and I'm very pleased because I had no idea who he was. Like I said, I was just going trying to create our schedule and go in alphabetical numerical order, and so when Eighth Continent looked came up, and I first watched that to see what. You know, if we were going to have to skip Eighth Continent, what else? And the fact, like, I'm so happy that we did this because I really, not only Eighth Continent, I enjoy the director's work. So, Savannah, what did you, oh, and also another thing, there's not a lot of cast with these three short films. There's oh, not yeah. a lot of, like, main characters or things like that. It's more about messages within the imagery. Um, so if you don't hear me talk about cast and like who stars in it, that is why. But I think um, that's a big, uh, it's a main theme in his films. You don't really get to know your characters. There are, for like, I think two of them, there are people in the films. There's only one of them where I think it's only, you only see like one guy. 
yeah but I, I think that's sort of the take it's, it's more of a social commentary i would say right yeah, like through imagery, social commentary through imagery, through the use of angles and more so the objects. I think he definitely, especially with these three, focused more on the placement of objects in the film. The Meisenson, if you will. I took a few film courses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Meisenson in the film, like, you know, just the way things are positioned and stuff like that. And literally a fun fact that's the only thing I remember. If you tell me, oh, hey, like what angles you want, I will give you. Every other angle name, I will give you something I have made up entirely, but I won't tell you. I just want a, a wide shot. I'll be like, I want it like this, and it's going to be super complicated. But yeah, that's what that's why you don't teach yourself film, because you end up like me, where you only know Meisenson. <laughs> um, so Savannah, what did you think of Eighth Continent? So just to be completely honest, if you don't stay with this film, I do think you can easily not understand what's going on. Um, the first 10 minutes, I was confused because there's a lot of still images, meaning the camera stays on one thing for literally two or three minutes and sometimes yeah. longer. So I did um, sometimes find myself a little bit like, okay, like where is this going? Because I think just for me, I'm – I, I'm used to slower paced films and I'm used to the films where like not a lot of things happen at once, but this is, as Stephanie said, a lot of imagery and a lot of still imagery. Um, so just to put it out there, this is not a fast moving film at all. Even if it, it's 11 minutes and even still it's not fast moving, it'll feel 20 minutes easily, sure. easily when you watch it because you know, there's not – in terms of, like, character, there's no character plot. There's no um, people that you can – like, there's – people are represented, but there's no actual characters to make a connection with. No. Um, but the best way I could describe it is sort of like a painting. Um, because for me, it reminded me a lot of art. You know, when you go to the museum and you see a painting and you examine it, I feel like that's where he was trying to go with this you have to sort of examine the film. And when I finally stood back and I think it was the end of the movie, I realized what was going on. It was very powerful. It's a very, very powerful message. And it does kind of, especially for, because this film, well, a lot of his films have the theme of refugees. And I think for somebody like me who has almost to no personal, um, personal I guess uh, connection you know you've never been in the situation before I think a film like that is important because like like I said for somebody like me who does who's never had a personal connection who's only saw things like that from news or stories I think his film gives a lot of context and puts you face to face with those issues what do you think I absolutely agree I think with Almost, I would say two out of the three of his films, so definitely Eighth Continent was one of them, where my heart dropped into my stomach the minute I realized the message that yeah. was being conveyed. And the message of Eighth Continent is you just see these this, this man kind of on an island with life jackets. And in reality, the number of life jackets is supposed to represent not only those who, who swam from different countries to try to get into Greece. 
but it also shows, or rather just into Europe in general, but it's also a representation of who didn't make it. Exactly. Yeah. So, and it's really like, once you realize that, and I think one of the most, one of the most harboring images is at the end, like you said, is when you see this, this crucifix made to look like someone in a light fest. And it's that connection and it's like, ooh, like I'm even getting heebie-jeebies just thinking about it because it's just so like the fact that there's no words being said, the fact that there's nothing else except this haunting imagery, uh, the fact that like you realize this is a memorial. Yeah. And I I think it's it's brilliant. And after – so I saw um, Casas Belli first um, and then I saw Eighth Continent. And I, after watching those, I was like, whoa, this – this guy can direct because even though like there's no characters there's no um at least in eighth continent there's no memorable music but his angles and the way things are perceived and how he wants you to perceive things is 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10 like to carry that message the weight of that message in an 11 minute short film is insanely it's it's just insanely good to carry a message. It's kind of like, you know how people say like, oh, Up was able to show a love story, like one of the best love stories ever in like 12 minutes in the intro. It's the same way like how, that's like the only thing I can compare it to. <laughs> but that's what this feels like. It's like you were able to create that power within 11 minutes. And, and so I, I, can, I commend that. And you, just from 11 minutes, you felt all that, that, that is a credit to him you know, of how good a an artist he is. We could watch moved three hour movies about history or social commentary and some of us don't even feel anything. And the fact that he made us all feel something in eleven minutes and put us face to face with a humanitarian crisis is amazing. Um I also like the only person we see in the film is this man who I assume I, I don't again I don't remember his position. I, at first I thought he was a trash man, you know? Yeah, kinda like like ocean cleanup type of thing. And like the way he was just sort of throwing the life vest, cleaning up and just not caring. I, I do feel like that is a representation of most of us. Yeah, because if you notice, this is supposed to represent a mor- memorial. Obviously, there's a crucifixion with a life vest on it. Yeah. Um, but the way, like, if you see the way that these these things are tossed, it's it it just looks forgotten. Exactly. And I think that's the hugest thing. Like all of these vests that are dirty and stuff. And then there's one scene where after that, after we see the guy and we see the the crucifixion with the with the vest on it, it kind of it gets dark, and then we're starting to see you know, the lights from these life vests start reflecting in the night. And I wondered, and I I remember thinking to myself, those look like eyes. You know, the way it was positioned and everything, the way it looked like eyes staring at you. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Which is very, very creepy, but... Very jarring. It's very jarring, but absolutely, in terms of... Because here's the thing, not everyone is going to, especially, I hate to say this, but Americans, not everyone is going to want this to subject themselves to a three-hour film about immigration. It only takes a film like this to open up people's eyes and to open up, you know, opinions and judgment for, because 
obviously, you know, from what we know as Americans is, you know, uh, our, in terms of our immigration, it just primarily being focused on Mexico. We don't ever think about how Europe, different countries within Europe handle immigration and what they have to do. And remember, everything is a lot more spaced out. So especially if you have people in the Middle East or in people coming from Africa, they got to swim. They got to go through, but like, there's so many different obstacles that we just don't realize like i mean at least for me as someone who doesn't understand the topic because i too don't i don't understand what it's like to be an immigrant and i don't know anyone with immigrant stories personally um so it's very it's very crazy to see that this representation of it and it's very extremely powerful and i think this would definitely be something that i hope gets into mainstream media at some point and it's just kind of like passed around to show the ugly truth of how it is, not only in our nation, but in other nations as well. And absolutely. And not to be too political here, but I do think this is important for specifically, like you said, Americans to see. Because if we're being honest, Americans tend to be about Americans. And I think when you watch movies like this, I hope we can all open our hearts to like different people around the world that have it so much harder so much harder and go through unimaginable things so I do think this is important and I you know unfortunately there's not a lot of content about this in terms of you know film or anything so you know I I I think that this uh, hopefully this becomes more popular because I I didn't hear about this until um I saw it on in the Criterion Mm -hmm. channel but I I do think things like this are um immeasurably important and i think a lot of his films so let's let's talk about casas belly now so um in casas belly is a short film by yorgo zoas um in 2010 and i believe it was one of his first short films and the plot of that one is people of different genders classes ages nationalities are waiting in seven different lines creating a huge human line arriving at the end of the human tale however the countdown begins this one i saw first immediately as soon as the camera started to move you know me I like camera movement. Keep it on a tripod. I say that all the time. <laughs> I will get that tattooed on my back one day where it's like, if you're going to do a movement, keep it on a tripod. Dude, and that's going to be our merch film, one day. That's going to be literally, This, he did it. Yorgos did it. Kept it on a tripod. It was smooth. It was seamless. And essentially, what the camera sees is you, is is your point of view, following a bunch of people in different lines. They go through grocery stores. They go through clubs. They go through art museums. Yeah. They go through all different things, all, you know, DMVs, which is what I think was one of them. Yeah. Um, just things in life that we normally have to wait in line for. But then in the end, it passes through a, um, I'm sorry, like a soup kitchen. Yes. Like a, yeah. yeah, soup yeah, kitchen? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Like, so it's a food truck, but it's... You can tell by instantly the the change of clothes, the change of the atmosphere that it's definitely not as I'll use high class for lack of a better word than, you know, the grocery store and stuff. It's portrayed now in a darker light and you see a man going to get food and the food truck closes on him. And so keep in mind. So Casas Belli, do you know what that actually translates to? I don't. So it translates to simply an act that justifies war. Wow. That is the definition of casus belli. 
So the way that this continues is that once the man doesn't get his food, he turns around and he pushes back everyone. And every line that we see, because everything looks like a continuous line, even though it's going through different things, it's almost like everything rewinds all the way back to the beginning. And everyone just topples over and tumbles down. And two years before this short film was made, uh, you know, we went through the, the global 2008 market crash. And ever since that, Greece had a very, very tough struggle with their economy to where one of the biggest issues that they faced was hunger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I thought this, once again, another 11 minute short film spoke so much more volumes than any hour long, two hour long, three hour long video that anyone else could have made. I felt like this was done well. What did you think about it? And how did like, what do you think about it compared to Eighth Continent? So the thing about this film, it's a lot more, uh, it's a faster pace. Um, So I think that more people our age would be more willing to watch it throughout the whole thing. Um, Not to say that Eighth Continent was boring or anything, but this had more like moving pieces in it per se. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like the message is very, very clear. He wanted us to know exactly what this was about. And, and you do. The, from the minute you're in the grocery store, you're like, okay, this is this is maybe about consumerism, whatever. And then you see this, what, a homeless man, right? That's like appropriate to say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, oh, this is something else. This is about, um, you know, when your brain starts working. And at the end, I, the end of the movie, the end of the, I want to say a movie. Can, can we still call it a movie if it's a short film? What's Absolutely. Your take on that, right? Absolutely. Someone yeah. said that to me once and I was, I've been confused ever since. But all right. Yeah. At the end of the movie, it's just the same grocery cart we see in the beginning back to him. And you are like, what? What did I just watch? But it's it's so, again, he hits it on the nail. And I think he does it in a way that's subtle, but faces you with these issues. And I I loved it. You know, yeah, I, and it I was think definitely, this... before I saw Third Kind, my favorite. Ooh, oh, I can't wait to talk about that one. But I thought this one was gorgeous too because not only was the way it was shot, and I think also this is the most relatable because yeah. as I'm and I'm speaking as an American, we have more of a hunger. Well, I'm not going to say we have more of a hunger issue. I think at least we have we're more known, like we're more conscious about poverty and starving children and than we are about immigration. There's a huge homeless population in a lot of cities. Like it's, it's an issue. Yeah, yeah, especially in Amer- like California. Yeah. Holy crap, California has a huge, but it, it can be found everywhere. So I think out of all of this, this is the most, I don't want to say relatable, but is definitely the most understood. We've all and come to, I think, yeah, we've all come I, to, I, face I, to face with this at some point as well. Absolutely. And I think one of the, the what do you think? So I think what it means is um, when you, when, the homeless man pushes them down. I feel like this represents a huge chain. And all it takes, or rather like dominoes line up, all it takes is one push, one push on one person to almost ruin the system. What's your take on that? What 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 this whole, all of them, when 
the homeless man pushes them all and they all fall down all the way, you know, from the grocery store to ZMD to everything. What did you think that push represented? Um, I think you're pretty much the same thing where it's just like, but I also said in my head, I was just like, okay, so like one person can also make a difference. That's kind of what popped into my head when he pushed everybody and everybody fell. And I also feel like at the end of the day, I don't think a lot of people, there's this stigma with homeless people and it's very sad. You know, a lot of people are very, oh, well, they put themselves in this situation and a lot of people don't think that they technically deserve rights. So I feel like yeah. in, in another sense, you can kind of say like, okay, that's them standing up for themselves and being like, okay, we have rights. We, we're also human beings because, you know, like I said, there is a stigma with homeless people, people in poverty. Um, but I do feel like it's, it's definitely the one person can make a difference approach. What did you think of the ending per se? So I think it also was a matter of maybe in terms of attention to the matter, it doesn't take one person to bring awareness. It takes a whole chain. And it's, I think it's one of those things where kind of like everyone needs to be knocked off their feet in order for the man to get what he needs. And like, let's be real. Food is a basic life necessity. Yeah. There's no going about it. At the end of the day, whether you make money, whether you do any, the one thing you need in this world is food. Scientifically, the one thing you need is food and water. And the fact that I think, because I, you know, poverty is, obviously, I don't agree with poverty, but economically, it's understandable. Hunger is not. No. As it is a life necessity. It's a life necessity. You can, and I'm not saying that it's easy, but you can live without a home. You can live without clothes. You cannot biologically, scientifically survive without food. And the fact that it is still an issue for people to get food is insane. And I think that push is also can be significant of it'll take. And just for one person to be fed or just for these people to be fed properly, they don't need, you know, the lavish food. They don't need, you know, the super healthy, just something, just something. So that way they can be fed. It took all of those people to fall down for him to get what he needed. And I also think it represents like, they all ignored this person at one point. When this person went to go get food at the food truck to shut down his face. And I think most of us like to pretend that it's I'm sorry, my mother is making a wreck outside. I just, I just heard she's, screaming. She's stimulating the dogs. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was just saying, I think most of us do like to pretend that isn't happening. You know? Yeah. Unfortunately, in, in that push also represented, like, we do need to pay attention to these people because they are people, you know? And I wonder, because as soon as you said that, my thing is, could this camera perspective, because the camera stops when we see the homeless man, the man who pushes everyone down. Yeah. Could the camera represent him passing by everyone and him not being noticed? That is what I thought. That oh, is how okay. I took okay. it. Okay. But it, I, I don't know either. Like, I don't know if that's what the, the goal was. But that's why I'm saying I feel like at one point they all ignored him. Because I'm, I'm thinking, like, 
we're following this man or he we're in this man's perspective. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. Okay, so you would have to say third kind is your favorite, right? Because you said that, oh, you said, I think you said Casas Belli was your favorite until yeah. third kind, right? So let's talk about third kind because third kind is my favorite too. Um, Third Kind is his one of his most recents. Came out in 2018. It is a longer short film. It's 32 minutes and is considered sci-fi. And the t- tagline for it is: "Earth has been abandoned for a long time, and humanity has found refuge in outer space." Three archaeologists return to Earth to investigate the origin of a mysterious five-tone signal. So, if you're like Third Kind. That sounds familiar. Well, yes, there is a little bit of a play on um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind within this film. Awesome. Um, this we, one, we fantastic film. So this one actually has some stars. I don't know what the characters' names are. And they're all Greek names, so I am so sorry if I botch any of them. Um, Alexandros Vardaxaglou. Holy crap, I'm sorry. Um, Effie Rasibier. Rasibier? Nikos, oh my god, they just keep getting tougher. I'm sorry. (laughs) Nikos Hanakoulos and Miankel Waris Alwagul. I am so sorry. It's a short film that is not popular. I cannot find the correct translation for them. I did my best. Um, But yeah, if you want to see how those are spelled, go on IMDb so you can pronounce it in your own head and not butcher it like I did. So, Savannah. Um, what, okay, so I, I had messaged you after watching both and I had watched Third Kind already. I was like, you gotta see this. And I told Savannah, I was like, you have to watch till the very end, like literally until, cause this uh, short film is available on Vimeo, literally until Vimeo, Vimeo changes it or, you know, kicks you out of the screen. What did you think of Third Kind? What a great take on the message. What an interesting, creative way to talk about this crisis. That yeah. was awesome. That was, uh, and I think out of all the films, not only did this have like the mo- the loudest message, but I think this is a film that everybody would want to see, especially if in, you're into sci-fi. But the fact that he mixed sci-fi and like the suspense genre with this you know, still the the social commentary. That's awesome. Yeah, and then also taking, you know, parts of Close Encounters from the Third Time, making it his own and making it, like, meaningful is astounding. Like, I watched this literally two times consecutively because I was so shocked that, you know, I could understand people not watching Eighth Continent. I could see Casa's Belly being, you know, more popular but not as popular, but this... I, I'm almost upset that no one has come up to me and said, have you ever heard of Yorgos Zoas's third kind? Because this is amazing. So it's set up like your regular sci-fi film. It's very creepy. You have these three people in suits and they speak different languages. One of them speaks English. One of them speaks German. And I believe the other one does speak uh, Greek. Um and they go through, oh my God, my mother is loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and I give a warning. I'm like, guys, I'm going to record. And it's when, you know, 
they put on a game show or something. Someone's winning big and my mom is screaming at them from the TV. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but it starts out as this really um, desolated sci-fi. And you have these three uh, archaeologists exploring. And you get this feel that's like, okay, they are maybe from the future and they're coming to see what happened. And they're at the first location is an airport, completely right. empty. You know, it looks like no one had been there for decades. And it's kind of just them exploring, putting piece by piece and trying to figure out what happened there. And my first opinion, so before we get into what it actually is, my first opinion of the film, what made me, I was like, oh my God, did I really pick this? I thought this film was actually after an epidemic because there's one part where they talk about vaccines where they were like, Oh, this was a camp. And in this place they had five doctors and everyone was given vaccines and an MRE. I thought at first we were looking at something like that. What did you think initially before getting to the real deal part? What did you think this story was about? Okay. So in the very, very beginning, I thought this was about, I thought it was like an environmental message, like about the environment. And like what mm-hmm. had what you know Earth became after we all left, and I thought like okay we're gonna see like Earth thrive because humans left, but then as we were getting into the camp, and we're seeing like you know traces of people left behind, I realized I was like oh wait a second this was like, I you know the first thing I actually thought of was Holocaust, so then I was just like okay yeah. what, what is the what is the modern day like uh, what are modern day camps and then I realized okay like we're talking about like eighth continent but the people who like were left behind if that makes sense yeah kind of like almost like a lost souls type of thing like where no one is around and you're just trying to figure out why and that is and it's very eerie even just them walking through this abandoned airport is very eerie especially when they get so you hear about um the uh, what was i going to say you hear about the um, the doctors and everything everyone was given one mre vaccinations things like that mm-hmm. it's when then you go into like the the home area where you start seeing all these camps set up and abandoned bikes and abandoned toys and i think one of the most jarring images is you do see a child's picture and i think it says something in the lines of like i'd like to believe god is here yeah and it's very like oh and there's video footage of kids that used to be there and things like that, having a good time playing around. But we still don't understand why these kids and these families are there. Um, so, Savannah, do you want to start leading off to where how they get to the stadium and everything like that? Do you want to explain the ending? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting you to say yes. Okay. Because, like, I'm still a little – because I had questions for you. Oh, okay. No problem. No problem. The ending, I I think I grasped it, but then there was a specific, I think one or two parts where I was just like, oh, I need clarification. So I'm sorry, but no. (laughs) It's okay. So, and I do also want to say, so while they are exploring, they're hearing this uh, five tone signal Mm -hmm. throughout and they're trying to figure out the reason why they're there is they're trying to figure out where this five tone signal is coming from. So, They leave the desolated airport and then they go into uh, a stadium. And when they're at the stadium, you see the same thing. Tents everywhere. 
just abandoned, some crumpled, some still there. It almost is like everyone like kind of like disappeared. Like it's not even it doesn't look like a war took place. It doesn't look like no. any like tragedy or bomb went off. It just looks entirely abandoned. And for what reason we don't know at the time. So while they're going through, they start hearing the tone and it's louder and louder. And they then um come across a young man who is sleeping in the tent. And essentially they talk to him and they're like, Why are you here? Why are you giving us that the why are you saying the tone and it almost reminded me at first i was like is that the hunger games like the you know the hunger, I, but it's not the hunger games um but they start talking to this young man in the tent and he's and it's sad because he's like i don't know how long i've been here i guess after a certain point you know time stopped and i i stopped aging like almost like he can't like after years he just stopped counting and he says that he does this tone because it's from a movie he watched. And at that point, you're like, that tone sounds familiar. Yep. What movie are you talking about? Yep. The minute he says that, I'm like looking around. I'm like, what do you mean a movie? Movies exist during this time? <laughs> <laughs> so then these three people in the spacesuits explain that they are from a different time. And when the young man goes, what are you guys here for? He go, they go, we're here to know about you. And to know about essentially his, and what I interpreted was his memories. Yeah. And from there we see on, in an, I don't even know what resolution the screen was, but we essentially see this young man's life all the way to the point where he is now. And his story is that he is an immigrant. From the Middle East during a war-torn country, he fled and he was staying at the airport. And then he was moved to the stadium. And even at the airport when they were gone, there were still tough things that you can see in the imagery and stuff like that. Which, by the way, was shot immaculately. I like the idea that they kind of did it all handheld, like on an on a iPhone. Yeah. Um, it just adds a whole new sense of realism. And so once his clip is done playing, he asks them, will you guys be back? And he is surrounded. Like you just see the entire stadium engulfing him. And in like close encounters of the third kind, the music, that five tone beat starts playing as different sections of the stadium start going. And then it kind of fades out. And then you see the credits. So, so before I want to get to that last little line in the credit, the one that changed everything for me, where was your little question, Savannah? So when he said everybody is gone, did that mean everybody died? Because that's how I interpreted it. I don't think so. Because of what they say at that last ending, because of that last sentence. And trust me, if you are watching this, please do not skip the credits. I'm telling you right now, that last sentence does make this film 10 times more impactful. So Savannah, do you want to know my opinion of what this whole movie means? Yes, because I couldn't see uh, after the credits. So, okay. So are you familiar with the movie Source Code? Do you remember that Jake Gyllenhaal film where they kept going back? Okay. I think this is vaguely similar to that in a way where these three people, even though they're saying from a different time, I don't think they're there physically. Because if you notice, when they speak, their mouths don't open. Yeah. 
So that was something I thought was like, that's a little weird. Like that's, <laughs> they're speaking, but their mouths are not opening. Not that's different weird. languages. Yeah. And they all spoke different languages. So what I interpreted was, was that, and if you notice the countries that are listed, the, the, the languages, English, German, and Greece are from what I know, the countries with considered the most, the largest immigration problems. Uh-huh. So, and these, they're, they're these three, you know, space suited people, their role is to be archaeologists. I'm thinking they're more like a memory archaeologist where they went back into someone's like, almost like in a present day version of someone's mind from the past. Mm-hmm. And they went and kind of saw everything that, that, that the young man saw that day and went to him and spoke to him directly, almost like speaking to his conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me personally, with the lights coming up, and it could be because I'm a little sci-fi nerd and I'm like reaching out to the stars trying to connect this plot. <laughs> I thought when the music and the stadium, everything light up, I, ca- I kind of thought it was like a representation of like the end of the simulation. Like the, the memory of this is closing. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that they gathered what they needed and the memory is done. Right. So I, I, I thought it was like, to me personally, like a little source code um, thing. But the reason why this airport is abandoned and why this stadium is abandoned is because the last sentence of the film states that that airport has been abandoned for years and at one point was a refugee camp for Middle Easterns trying to get into Greece. And then also that stadium, again, was a refugee camp that was then abandoned. Wow. And the one most powerful thing that like shook me to my core was that everything that you saw, the tents, the videos, the the paintings, the children's paintings, all of that were left there. Because when they had to move, they couldn't bring anything. Mm. So everything that you saw that was there was actually there. Mm, Which is just crazy. Like to think, like, because I'm like, looking, I'm like, wow, they really put a lot of effort into the set. Meanwhile, it really is the belongings. Those, those, everything belonged to someone at some point. Those aren't just props. You're literally looking at what was left behind in these people's lives. Yeah. Where they couldn't bring their cams, where they couldn't bring their personal belongings. They just had to bring the clothes that were on their back and go. And the way I interpreted was this young man didn't want to leave. He just got tired of moving around. And so once everyone left, he kind of just went back and stayed. Right. Because they were already abandoned. There was no no cleaning up the airport. It's still abandoned to this day. Right. The stadium, I believe, is still abandoned to this day. So it would would make sense if someone just kind of went back in and just went back to where they set up their home. Isn't that heartbreaking? It, it, but that's why I love this one the most. I And I thought his directing style in this one, Ave Cotton and Casas Belli were all great, but this one was a whole new level. He very much reminds me of the director, uh, Denis Villeneuve, I believe oh, I I'm pronouncing that, that correctly. Yes. Yeah, the director of Prisoners. Yeah. I got that same feel from Third Kind. Um, did you have any different interpretation to Third Kind? Yeah, I mean, I didn't see the post uh, credits, so I was just thinking everybody died at this camp. Gotcha. Um, not realizing that's this is real, like what you're seeing besides the the whole like space people thing is very real. 
Um, and like I've said before with all these films, these are movies we all need to watch. Because if anything is going to inspire people to help, it's this. It's this being put right in front of your face. And I know yeah. after, because I saw Third Kind of Day, I know after watching it, I was just like, where do I help? What do I do? Where do I go? And that is the feeling you should be getting from watching these films. Because Absolutely. they truly like, and, and honestly, credit to him that he's using his talent to bring like these, you know, humanitarian crisis. Because I don't know about you, but I don't see a lot of people... I, I've, I hear people talking about it, but in the film industry, you don't really get a lot of films like this. No, not at all. Not at all in any sense of the way. You don't get something that is not only made so immaculately, but the message is compacted. Usually with things like this, you see a lot of drawn out films, like films that tell an entire story within two or three hours. This tells you everything within 11 minutes. And that's really all you need. You only need 11 minutes to just show the gravity. And you only needed that single sentence at the end of the credits to literally make this film go from, I don't understand, to, oh my God. Yeah. Like the, the, the sentence. And like even, like, even my mom was like, I didn't care for it. I'm like, you have to see the last sentence. And the minute she read it, she was like, I got, I got chills. Like it's, it's crazy. Like if you're looking at this like any other film, you might not think it's the best thing. But once you realize everything, there's so much hard truth this is real life. behind this film. It's real life. People were living in an abandoned airport. People had to escape war and how to escape the unheard of, how to go through so many different things. And like even in the guy's travels of just getting to live in a little tent in the airport, he had to go through so much. You see him go crossing through land, yeah. crossing through the sea, crossing through so much. And I think this by far is the best way because sci-fi is something, obviously, as us Americans know, widely accepted. God, we can't take any more Star Wars. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We'll have another 20 like within the next four years and everyone will be content with it. Yeah. So I think a film like this is so important because it can convey it to mass media yeah. it can convey it to the average consumer you you know and it's kind of like i said like this is a real story this is somebody's life and you're kind of taken back when you realize like this isn't just a little sci-fi picture you know this isn't like you said it's not star wars like this is real life and for most of us you know, we hear the news and we we see pictures and unfortunately we kind of just move on with our day. But I do feel like this is something where you stop and you stare. And I love that there's no political agenda to this. This is just about people. It's just showing people's truth. It's not showing a political argument. No it is not that. showing which side you need to choose, what you got to do. It is just 
telling someone's story as you've 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 actually said that quite a lot within the past few reviews we're but i think it's of, really uh, cool movies you know we're doing yeah but like this absolutely just tells someone raw story and usually sadly we don't get to hear it without someone trying to sway you politically yes, or exactly. trying to sway you emotionally you get to view this film and interpret it as you shall as you want to whereas everything else that you see at least in american media likes to favor a side yeah favor a type of imagery uses of words and stuff like that whereas this is just here it is on a plate you can choose to eat it or you can choose not to absolutely um so watch this movie you know this is about people and you know this is not something a lot of us can relate to but i know now after seeing this when i hear these stories when i see an article about immigrants when whatever like now my heart is in not that it was never in that place for them but now my heart is like i'm ready to help you guys what do you yeah you have such you have such like we both have i don't want to say we have a great understanding but we now have a deeper insight to such a large problem because we were able to views view someone's life through a natural lens not through rose colored not through you know ivy colored glasses like we saw it through with our own eyes we were able to interpret it as we did and that without it being able to interpret it and show it neutrally to everyone is the most open-minded approach you can do because obviously if we felt that this had type some type of and i'm going to use political agenda very lightly if this had some other type of purpose than other than education and just showing people and telling them then stories it, we might react differently we could have been turned off by it we could have been more in favor for it anyone else too so the fact that it's just like yorgos zoas is just like here you go here's a story here is someone's truth you do what you will. And I think that is the most powerful way to have these messages. Now, because it's not citing and because it's not as, and I'm using air quotes, controversial as social media would deem it to be, I think that's why it has kind of fallen through the cracks. And that's why it's not known. But I do think it's okay if it's not known because this message is gorgeous and beautiful. And I think people like you and me and to all the other purple noonies, can spread this say and give word and be like, hey, there's this $2.99 short film that you can buy on Vimeo and it's friggin' astounding. Watch it. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, these people are not just a statistic. And I think he really brought that out. So this man deserves a lot of credit. And I'm very happy we saw these films. And I give all of them a 10 out of 10. Same here. 10 out of 10 across the board. Um if you had to pick a favorite, okay, so what would be your three order, even though they're 10 out of 10, what would be your, from um, one, two, and three, what would be your favorite order? Um, Obviously, Third Kind is my absolute favorite because I think that memory scene is just, oh. Just wow. And just wow. Of course, I love uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, so there's that too. Um, And then... Cassius Bell, I don't want to miss Cassius Belli. Cassius Belli, and then Eighth Continent. But all the stories are beautiful. But that's the order I would give it in terms of my personal favorite. I think definitely Third Kind number one. I think for me, um, I really enjoyed the the cinematography of Eighth Continent. So right. it would be the last two would be switched. So it would be Third Kind, Eighth Continent, and Cassius Belli. Um, 
But you've heard it from us, guys. Check out these short films. They are absolutely fantastic. Costas, uh, I also believe Costas Belly is available on YouTube for free. Um, so, and I think maybe Eighth Continent as well. But we watch them on the Criterion channel. And um, Third Kind, we found and we uh, we paid for on Vimeo. Um, and I say it's definitely worth the three dollars that it is to buy it. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely. Um, so I highly recommend that. And yeah, next time. So Savannah, what are we going to be talking about next time you hear us? Twin Peaks. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. So the next episode is going to be a longie and a doozy because we are going to be talking about Twin Peaks season one and season two and Firewalk with me. You might be like, but wait, guys, what about season three? That is a whole different different playing field dude we're gonna reserve that for another day we're gonna keep it with the 90s keep it with the ogs and everyone like that and we'll get to season three another time um so god i i can't i'm at the point in twin peaks right now where that one song that james sings and it's like just you and it's it's eating away my brain cells right now (laughs) that one song in the second season of twin peaks all the singing in Um, twin peaks no for me i'm sorry most of the singing fair. that's fair that's completely fair Someone but you'll hear more about it at some point and i just tomorrow will go on a rant about that yeah and i mean what today's friday so you'll have um 48 a little bit more than 48 hours to binge through it all if you haven't so get it done yeah all right you got no excuses where <laughs> you should be home stay home stay, stay home, in Stay in. Watch some Twin Peaks. (laughs) But yeah, so that's what you'll be hearing us next time. As always, thank you, Sir James. If you'd like to be thanked on the grand, like, because you've, you listeners have heard every episode, you might be like, who the hell is this James guy? (laughs) Lord James. He has now earned the title as Lord James because he is our one and only Patreon subscriber. Yeah. The best of the best. And you know what? Maybe you could be a Lord. Maybe you could be a lord too. There's also a king option. If you join our Patreon. Our ballers, you know. Yeah, you can uh there's also a dollar option where you get you get the official title from me and Savannah as a purple noonie. Who wouldn't want that? I mean, I don't know, somebody lame. Put that on your resume. Are you kidding me? Oh yeah. You want a job? People are gonna be like, oh crap, they're an official purple noonie. A Represent. great talk point too they're gonna be like they have mad street cred for being a a purple noonie but yeah check out our patreon or if you're like i don't know if i want to do patreon check out my short story short story on um media it's titled idol um because guess what when you buy it on amazon kindle um all the proceeds to that go to help us run this little show That's so right. uh, you can also do that too and you can also read some of my work it's a little spooky <laughs> um but yeah as always we will see you guys soon and take care bye, bye.